We are continuing in our sermon series, Rooted, Reformed, Relevant, First Presbyterian Church's tagline. And earlier this fall, we spent three weeks looking at that word rooted and what it means to be a rooted people in Jesus Christ, in our congregation, in our broader community, what it means to be a people, a reformed people, shaped and born out of the reformed theological tradition. What are some of the major themes that, that, that shape and inform how we follow Jesus? And then... The last three weeks of this series, relevant. What does it mean to, to be a, a people attentive to what God is doing in the world, in our current context? And, uh, and last week, we, we, we looked at the, the centrality of saying the most relevant thing really is, is whatever the living, resurrected Jesus is up to, period. Um, these, these second two weeks, uh, I decided to just let the lectionary scripture be the scripture for us to, today. Uh, not, not necessarily to, to discern some other part of Scripture to get at this, but, but instead um, trust that leaning into churches all around the world with the, the, the particular Scripture that is before us, uh, we will hear a living and active uh, Word of God for just such a time as this. And, and, and it happens that Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12, is what has been given us today. And, and, and in fact, what we find are some of these religious leaders who, who do... Uh, who are caught up in how they appear. They want to appear relevant in certain ways, be appear, appear noteworthy in certain ways. And, and you'll hear Jesus' critique of, of that and, and his, his bottom line that, that when it comes to relevant, the, the, the single thing is remaining attentive to the word of life, which comes from Jesus. More on that in just a moment. Here now, God's word. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. <laughs> they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their Phylic trees broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them as rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My freshman year of high school, I decided to try out for the school play. I had never acted in a play. I had never shown much interest at all in doing anything like that, but in the year, my freshman year, that fall, the play was going to be It's a Wonderful Life. And one of my very favorite characters in the entire world was George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart in that 1946 Christmas classic. George Bailey, you may recall, is this affable, aw shucks, hard working, do the right thing, husband, father, business person in the community of Bedford Falls. At one very low, despairing point in his life, an angel stands alongside him and gives him a glimpse into what Bedford Falls would look like had he never been born 
And he sees just how much his steady kindness and sacrifice and integrity really did change everything in that town and the people of that town for good. Well, I wanted to play George Bailey. That's just such a great character, I thought. And while I wouldn't have quite put it this way in my ninth grade year, the truth is I, I, I kind of wanted others to see me as a George Bailey. I was a shy, awkward, pretty anxious high schooler. And if I just said the right lines and said and wore the great attire, and what if I just acted as George Bailey? Would I be seen, could I be seen as someone like him with, with those attributes given to me in the perception of others? Uh, so you're, you're trying out just for George Bailey, the director asked me as I came into the audition room. Uh, are you open to reading lines for any of the other parts? Uh, just, just George Bailey. That's the lead role. Um, now I have here, you've, you've, you've not previously acted, that, is that correct? No, I haven't acted. Which was, of course, a complete lie. If you have lived through those middle school and high school years, you know how to act. You know what it is to put on a persona or certain clothing or certain grades or certain musical tastes or even certain friends, even if it's really not your thing, really who you are, because it matters such a great deal how others see you. And one could argue that same concern often goes far before, beyond those formative years. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. This is the basic critique Jesus makes of these religious leaders in the passage. Another translation states the critique this way. They live their whole lives in order to be noticed by other people. That's a translation trying to bring out the Greek word to be seen or to be noticed, which also means to make theater. They live their whole lives doing an act to be seen in a certain way or more concisely, all show. No substance. The people Jesus is talking about in our passage are the scribes and the Pharisees, or as Dale Bruner notes in his commentary, a faithful translation for this group could be the Bible teachers and the serious. Jesus' critique is for those who teach from the Scriptures as well as, as those who are serious about learning from it and, and following in its ways. Specifically, you heard Jesus makes mention of their phylacteries and fringes. Phylacteries, those are their, their prayer boxes attached to the arm and the forehead, which contain portions of the, the Torah and were worn during the three daily times of prayer. And then the fringes, the, the blue and white tassels that were at the corner of their prayer shawls. Both of these were meant to be regular, visible reminders of God's law. But these religious leaders, they've made their, their prayer boxes a little bigger and their tassels a little longer. They've been taking care to ensure their fidelity to God is especially visible. Or again, we hear how they seek the most respected visible seats at the, the banquets. Uh, they delight in the audible respect given them when they are called by their title, Rabbi. These teachers, these serious believers, they have become particularly attentive to ensuring they have all the external markers of faithfulness, goodness, success 
They've got the attire, the seat, the title. How does it happen that the one supposedly closest to God can get so far away, can be consumed with looking the part and not being the part? Much could be said here, but, but I'm mindful of Thomas Merton, the 20th century Trappist monk. He once wrote, if I had a message to my contemporaries, it is surely this. Be anything you like. Be madmen, drunks, and bastards of every shape and form, but at all costs avoid one thing. Success. If you are too obsessed with the success, you will forget how to live. If you've learned only how to be a success, your life has probably been wasted. I do imagine these religious leaders at some point in their lives, they care deeply about the interior aspects of their heart and faithfulness. And they probably even found success in that. They were probably commended by others for their prayerfulness, for their hard work in support of God and and, and the temple, uh, commended for their generosity, for their great teaching, for their use of their gifts in, in any number of directions. But as Merton points out, the great challenge of actually finding a measure of success and really in any realm of life, religious certainly included, is that ironically, you can all too easily forget how to live. Because what happens when we have some measure of success is, is, is we start to feel this little need to keep up the affirmation success has granted us. That felt good. The love that, that, that seems to accompany in it. We, we feel this pressure to keep up the status and stature that a measure of success has granted. And slowly, but surely, it can become more important that we ensure all of that is held by chasing the things that signify success rather than pursuing the substance therein. More important to get the title or the credential than actually lead. More important to hit the metric or attain the number of followers than to actually provide service. More important to keep the GPA than learn. More important to get the votes than do justice. More important to get members then follow Jesus. More important to appear good and kind and right and just than, than actually doing so. Have we ever known ourselves to pay more attention to how others are seeing us, others are seeing our church, than we actually do to pursuing Jesus's way, regardless of what happens or what others think? Has, has success ever blinded us from pursuing life? who is, in fact, Jesus Christ. And yet those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. That is the grace of Jesus intervening to save us from ourselves, much as Jesus is intervening with these religious leaders in this passage. In my case, I did not get the part. But the director did come back to me with an offer. Look, are you open to another part Look, we have a couple smaller parts in the play. I think they'd be a great chance for you to learn about acting and and maybe grow into future roles and future productions. How about one of these smaller roles? 
When Jesus intervenes, it can break our pride because he, he usually offers what, what seems like smaller roles. He is, as this, he reminds his disciples, the one teacher, and they are all students. And, and, and as the teacher, his homework assignments rarely involve having us go out and be amazingly successful, super faithful, heroic people just in the nick of time. The homework is often far more pedestrian but oh so critical. Things like what we looked at three weeks ago, really, in Romans chapter 12. Honor one another above yourselves. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Share with those in need. Be hospitable. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Are you remembering some of these from Romans chapter 12? Or, or how about near the end of that chapter, Bless those who persecute you. Do not seek revenge. If your enemy's hungry, give them something to eat. Thirsty, give them a drink. A litany of small roles, some difficult if small roles, critical roles, all of them. And I wonder if the teacher has cut through some of the layers among us even this morning and has before us some sort of smaller role for such a time as this, a role relevant to this day and this week. And I wonder which one it is. What is the action? What is the line? What is the way Jesus has for us for such a time as this? And, and, and just as importantly, are we open to taking it? I told the director no. I was not interested in telling a truly great story, no matter my part. I was more interested in how others saw me. I didn't like the idea that I wouldn't be seen as George Bailey, but, but would have some small, small part and, and be seen as that, whatever that's worth. And I fear sometimes we turn down these roles because they do not strike us as the big and important endeavor that this world and this nation and our marriages and our lives and our church need today. Or it's not the big endeavor that someone with our training and our education and our know-how and all the rest really should be about. But again, ours is a teacher whose homework is usually smaller, recurring roles. And sometimes in times, those Sometimes, in time, those who are faithful in the small will find themselves faithful in the bigger things. But they only get the bigger things because they become the kind of person who don't seek or need any of the bigger things. They've realized that life and life abundant is found in keeping step with the one teacher, come what may. And even if our whole life long is a string of smaller roles, I do believe we can take heart that when our day comes to join alongside God's angels in the company of all of God's saints throughout all time, we will be given to see clearly the way the smaller lo roles of love forever and significantly altered this world and those around us for good. For it is as the teacher declares, those who humble themselves, they will be exalted.
will we accept the role at hand for such a time as this? Amen.